Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Head coach Sean McDermott joins the Extra Point Show with Sal and Joe every Friday morning at 1030. Brought to you by Northwest Bank. For what's next, get started at Northwest.com. Hour 2 Sports Talk Saturday coming at you here on WGR. And Hour 2 means... Our second hour of fantastic guests for this afternoon. And joining me on the West Terre Hotline is heavy on sports senior NFL reporter, my good pal Matt Lombardo, joining us to talk a fascinating week that was in the NFL. Matt, my good buddy, how are you, my friend? Nate, I'm doing great. I'm actually at the zoo overlooking a pair of buffalo. So I don't know that the (laughs) setting could be better. (laughs) <laughs> to talk bills with my with my man Nate here. I love that, and thanks for taking time to uh, to chat with me, my friend. I always always appreciate it. So, uh, what a fascinating week, dude! Uh, trade deadline, maybe the most exciting. No, not maybe the most exciting trade deadline in NFL history. Are we expecting this to be the new norm in the NFL? Has the NFL turned it in the NBA? You know, I was thinking about this a little bit this week, Nate. You look at the salary cap rising exponentially. You have teams that think that they're closer than ever to competing for a Super Bowl or building rosters that can compete for multiple Super Bowls. They have the resources, and there's a lot of GMs out there like Brandon Bean and Howie Roseman that have these really forward-thinking philosophies about stacking future draft picks and creating optionality for themselves. So I'm not surprised that there were 10 trades that went down on the deadline and some even bigger moves in advance of the deadline. So, yeah, I I could definitely see in future years teams are just more aggressive about going out and getting the kind of pieces that they need. And I think really the Bears were one of the more fascinating teams at the deadline because I wrote about this this week in my takeaways from the deadline. They kind of got worse on defense, which is fine because it's not about this year. It's about the future. And they recouped some draft capital in the Rokon Smith and the, the trade with Philadelphia for Robert Quinn, but they're going to get Chase Claypool to help their quarterback long-term, the draft capital for long-term. And I think the teams like that with one eye towards the present and two eyes towards the future I think that we're going to see a lot more aggressiveness in future years, no doubt in my mind. So in your mind, Matt, who got better, or well, you know, lack, lack of a better term, who got the most better <laughs> this week during this <laughs> trade deadline? Because I think you see a lot of teams, and, and listen, this, this extends past just the Tuesday deadline as well, because you look back and 
the Christian McCaffrey move, I think, has propelled the 49ers in a way that I think they envisioned that move propelling them, but I'm not sure they really could have actually thought that they were going to be that much more potent on offense. Now, they're going to get Debo Samuel, who's kind of been fighting through some injuries. When that offense is complete, Matt, that really, you know, I, I think right now it's a two-headed race in the NFC between the Eagles and Niners, and the Niners' record may not be as as, as sort of, you know, blemishless as, as the... Um, as the Philadelphia Eagles record, but boy, with with McCaffrey on that offense, that certainly looks to be one scary unit offensively. Oh, no doubt. And I think that the Eagles and Niners both got better. I would throw the Ravens into that as well by getting a dominant off-ball linebacker in Roquan Smith, which they really didn't have. And certainly you need, when you're looking at the quarterbacks you're going up against in the postseason, the Josh Allen, the Patrick Mahomes, the Justin Herbert, the Joe Burrows, But I think that the 49ers, you are spot on here, Nate, because I wrote this uh, on Sunday. Christian McCaffrey was made to play for Kyle Shanahan. You think of the versatility catching the ball out of the backfield. They run those horizontal zone read run schemes that really put a lot of stress on opposing defenses. And he's made to maximize that sort of a scheme. And that versatility really helps. And I think that there really is no clear-cut second team In the NFC, in my opinion, the Niners are the closest. They have the defense with the playmakers and a brilliant defensive coordinator in D'Amico Ryans. But they got a lot better adding Christian McCaffrey. I love what the Ravens did, and I like what the Eagles did. I I know that it was only a fourth and a sixth-round pick, but you get the Bears to pick up some of that salary, and now you have a rotational edge rusher. And and they're not the same player, don't get me wrong, but the comparison here – is how the Bills use Von Miller. Mm. You don't need Von Miller to be a three-down pass rusher. You need Von Miller when it's the 12th play of a drive and it's third and six to go out and get a sack and make a game-changing play. That's what Robert Quinn has the chance to be in Philadelphia, a rotational big spot player who can go in and make big plays. And I had an AFC executive tell me he thought that that was his favorite move of the deadline because you can't have enough pass rushers and the Eagles just keep loading up in that spot. No doubt about it. Matt Lombardo here of Heavy on Sports. He's a senior NFL reporter joining me on the Western Hotline. We're talking trade deadline acquisitions. Let's talk a little, Matt, about the acquisition of Naeem Hines. Kind of came together pretty last minute. Um, At least that's what we heard from Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean. They also were able to snag Dean Marlowe, a guy that this franchise um, you know, had here in Buffalo for a few years, went on and and went to Atlanta, and they're getting him back for that sort of uh, stretch run here with – you know, a banged-up Jordan Poyer. He's just struggled this year. I mean, he's just really struggled from some bad luck. But overall, what are your thoughts about the move for Naheem Hines, both from the Colts' perspective and the Bills moving forward? Yeah, I, I talked to a longtime NFL scout who's in a front office today, and he told me that Naheem Hines walks into Buffalo, and he is the Bills' most complete running back on that roster. He's a playmaker out of the backfield. He's got the speed to be a breakaway runner. His issue is he just needs to stay healthy. And I think that when you look at what the Bills did, you can pair him with Devin Singletary and have some really interesting packages. You can certainly throw the ball to to Cook as well. But I think Hines arrives, and it might not be a full package of plays this Sunday, similar to Christian McCaffrey's debut with the 49ers. But I think you're going to see Naeem Hines make an immediate and significant impact on that Bills offense. And – you know, as well as anybody, Nate, that's an offense that just comes at you in waves, yeah. weapons on weapons on weapons. Now you have James Cook and Naeem Hines in the backfield at the same time. Good luck defending that. 
What do you make of this Colts team, Matt? Because, I mean, big expectations coming into this season. Um, they kind of, on top of trading for Matt Ryan, they doubled down. They work his contract in a way that makes it almost impossible to get out of within the next year, year and a half. Um, they, you know, they're sellers at the trade deadline. They've made the move to Sam Ellinger. Where is that, is that franchise right now? Because Jim Irsay saying all the right things in public, but it does not feel like, I don't know how you can give your coach and general manager a vote of confidence when the lack of success has been there year over year, especially when you consider that, that offense has taken a big step back without Nick Sirianni. And if you're the head coach calling plays and you fire an offensive coordinator, there's not too many other people to point the finger at anymore, Matt. No, and I think that, unfortunately, I think that Frank Reich is a pretty brilliant offensive coordinator. I think that he was the consigliere to Doug Peterson during that Super Bowl year and was really instrumental to a lot of those game plans and innovative plays that the Eagles ran on the road to winning that Super Bowl in 2017. But there are just some guys who might be better off as coordinators, Mm -hmm. and I'm starting to get that sense of Frank Reich. The play calling hasn't been there. Committing to, to Matt Ryan, I think, was one of the biggest steps that any team not named the Denver Broncos has made this offseason. And, and I think that they are the cautionary tale. We've talked about this before, about falsely believing that you're a quarterback away, yeah. a veteran quarterback away from a Super Bowl, and you go and get a guy who's on the back end of his career. I think they're a franchise that needs to tear it down and start over, because outside of Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman, I really don't see a lot of talent on that offense. And it's a shame because they just waste so much talent on the defensive side of the ball and they haven't done enough to prop up the offense. Yeah, and like I, I part of my just confusion about them is what has happened to the offensive line. Like that I think was the mainstay. That's why you go out and get a Matt Ryan, because you have belief that you have an offensive line. Part of them benching Matt Ryan, Matt, <clears throat> at least in my opinion, is their failure to protect him. Yeah, and, and that's what's fascinating because you look at that line on paper and you look at Quentin Nelson, you look at the tackles, it should be one of the top three to five offensive lines in football, and it just hasn't been there. And, again, I think it's one of these teams that needs to tear it down and start over. And I think that when you look at Chris Ballard, I think that he's in a position where I think his job is on the line. I think Frank Reich's job is on the line. I don't think you can have the kind of offseason that they've had and produce these sort of results and expect to have a long-term future there. It's a franchise in a division that should be pretty winnable. I don't see anyone in the AFC South that should be running away with this thing this year or long-term. And I think the Colts have really squandered an opportunity with the amount of talent they have on defense by the fatal mistakes and the fatal flaws they have on that offense. Um, Matt, I, I also wanted to, you know, kind of looking at this trade deadline as a whole, obviously the Miami Dolphins probably made the biggest splash move of the trade deadline, trading for Bradley Chubb, a first-round pick. They get rid of tra- uh, Chase Edmonds, a guy that they invested some money into this offseason, um, and they turn around and give him a, a pretty large uh, $64 million guaranteed in a contract. But effectively, with the contract details, it's a truly two-year commitment. They can get out with only $8 million of dead cap money after the 2024 season. What would you maybe say that trade did to move their Super Bowl odds? I, I would tell you Vegas hasn't budged much. They're still plus 3,000, the same they were before the trade to Bradley Chubb. But uh, listen, I mean, you'd have to be crazy not to argue their defense got better with the move for, for Bradley Chubb. Defense got exponentially better, and I think that when you talk about young quarterbacks, everybody talks about the offensive line and the running game being a best friend to a young quarterback. 
defense is number two or three, right? And, and a pass rush, certainly, who can create turnovers and, and put opposing offenses in bad spots and shorten the field and all of those things. Bradley Chubb is the type of guy who desperately needed a change of scenery. The Dolphins desperately needed another horse along that front seven. I like the move a lot. I think that it inches them closer to the Buffalo Bills long-term in that division and maintains their status quo as the biggest threat to the Bills this season. But nobody's beating Buffalo in Buffalo. They're, they're, they're just not. But, but I love what they did and what Chris Greer did from a long-term roster-building standpoint, adding Bradley Chubb, locking him in so you know that he's not going anywhere, and you can continue building around Bradley Chubb. You can continue building opposite of Jalen Phillips, who's a really good pass rusher, too. You have a duo now. You have a duo that you can keep building out on defense, complementing an offense that, face it, Tua Tagovailoa, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Mike Kosicki, those guys aren't going anywhere. And I think that in 2022, the Dolphins kind of are what they are. They're a plucky team that could make the wild card and win a round or two in the postseason. But long-term, with Chris, Chris Greer's roster-building philosophy and now with Chubb, look out for the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I kind of like the way that you put that. And, and, I, and I do think there's a lot of growth potential in that division um, in general. And, and you look at the New York Jets this week, and obviously the Bills' next opponent on the calendar here. A five and three, I think plucky's an interesting term for them as well. Like five and three, their trajectory was really looking strong, but man, the struggles of Zach Wilson have been on display week in and week out. I, we had um, this week talked a lot about are the Jets close to benching Zach Wilson? And the, and the feeling that like we have here is that's not a move you maybe come back from. It's not like you know having Ryan Fitzpatrick and moving in and out of Tua and Fitzy when with when you're Brian Flores. This feels a lot different. Like if, I feel like Matt, if you make the move away from Zach Wilson, that that's like effectively it for him. And and I think that's why they're going to give him every chance to earn it. But it the the pressure rears up when you're when you have a winning record and maybe a season that you think you might be able to weasel your way into a wild card spot. Sounds like somebody read heavy in the trenches on Wednesday morning. <laughs> <laughs> because listen, you watched that game last week, and Zach Wilson was every bit the worst parts of Carson Wentz. Mm. And, and that can't mm. happen against the New England Patriots at home. And, and I think that there's real concern about Zach Wilson's future. But I'm with you. That, that, that's not a move that you make lightly. That's a move that if, if you're going to bench Zach Wilson, you're effectively moving on from Zach Wilson. And, and the Jets are in this really interesting situation. They're in the thick of the playoff race. There's a real chance they're going to be one of the wild cards in the AFC or knocking on that doorstep. So you're going to be picking 11th or 12th. But if the wheels come off and you're picking top four yeah. and mm. C.J. Stroud is on the board or Will Levis is on the board, what do you do? If you think that Will Levis or C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or any of these young quarterbacks coming out have more upside than Zach Wilson, even two years later, what do you do? I think you have to go with the quarterback with more upside. And Zach Wilson is going to have every opportunity down the stretch with some pretty big games against some pretty tough defenses to prove that he's the guy. But, Nate, I haven't seen it. And if he doesn't take that big leap in the second half, I think I think all options are on the table for the Jets, and they really should be. And you do believe that, regardless of what happens with Zach Wilson, that Joe Douglas and Robert Sala will be there for whatever the next solution is, whether that's moving forward with Zach Wilson or finding his replacement. Like, 
I, I believe, you know, Do- Do- Douglas has done enough, but there are very few general managers in the NFL that get the opportunity to draft a second op- a chance to get a franchise quarterback. Yeah, I think that he's done enough. And I think Robert Saleh has done more than enough to establish a winning culture. Look, I mean, I looked at what's happening with the Jets and with the Giants with Brian Dable. They both pretty instantly changed the cultures around those franchises that have been perennial bottom dwellers for, what, a decade? At least. At least. And and I think that the young talent on that team, Brees Hall, when healthy, is a a top 10 running back immediately in the NFL. I like the young receivers. I really like what they've done on defense. And I think that Sauce Gardner is going to run away with the defensive rookie of the year and maybe even earn a couple of defensive player of the year votes. Mm. So I think that you look at the drafts, you look at some of the free agent additions, I think that Joe Douglas has done a really nice job. I spoke to a general manager a couple weeks ago that puts him in the mix for executive of the year. A rival GM told me that's how highly he thinks of Joe Douglas. So I don't think you move on from Joe Douglas because you, you, you missed on the quarterback. you got to get the next one right. If you're going to get that second chance, you better hit on that next one. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Matt, last thing I've got for you before I let you go back to the uh, to the beautiful zoo. I'm assuming you have a, as beautiful weather down in PA as we're having here in Buffalo today. Unbelievably, seasonably warm. We will uh, we'll take all the nice weather. And it's great for golf weather, by the way. Um, Matt, la- like I said, last thing I've got for you here. When I look at this Bills roster overall, um, as they sort of head into, I think, an interesting week this week. But I'm kind of circling next week. Boy, what a matchup next week could be if the Vikings can take care of business on Sunday. Bills-Vikings, a battle between two one-loss teams. I, that might really have like one of the games of the year opportunities at play. Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, his first game against his former team. That game has maybe way more highlights to it than than I maybe would have thought coming into the season when I looked at the the schedule when it came out. Oh yeah, and the Vikings go out and get better with T.J. Hawkinson. So you're going to have Boston Knox against T.J. Hawkinson as a couple of red zone weapons for their respective offenses. You look at Dalvin Cook versus James Cook. The storylines are really boundless there. And I think that, again, the Bills are probably the prohibitive Super Bowl favorites overall, and I think that they're on a a mission to Arizona. The Vikings are in that mix in the NFC as that second-best team, and a win against the Bills, that will go a long way towards strengthening that resume. So I'm with you. That's one of those circle the games on the calendar, and if we were flexing games already, we would flex it for Sunday night. All right, you, you mentioned the Cardinals, and I have to ask you, uh, what is, is, there, is there pressure ramping up there? They have not had the season they thought that they would have. Even with DeAndre Hopkins back, it still has not looked all that good uh, outside of him. I mean, he's really the only thing working offensively for that team. They just signed Cliff Kingsbury. Is there any concerns there that, that he might have a tough time making it out of the season if, the, if things don't turn around quickly? Boy, you know, I, I don't know that I've heard. I've heard anything reportable on that front. But there, there's a growing feeling inside the league that the country club Kingsbury, country club Kingsbury is not the approach. And, and you hear that for whispers from players. You hear that from agents. It, it, it just feels like the, the whole approach is wrong. And Kyler Murray is exciting, but he hasn't ever really taken that next step to be a winner. If they don't make a run, I think it could be making for some uncomfortable conversations in Arizona. It, it's a, you know, it's a good thing, Nate, that they didn't commit a zillion dollars over the next ten years to Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. It's a good thing that they didn't do that yet. <laughs> Country Club Kingsbury is as good as it gets, man. 
<laughs> I love that nickname. Matt, thank you so much, my friend. As always, tell the folks where they can find your work. you got a great podcast out. Uh, give, give those some, some shouts so people can find you. You got it, brother. I always appreciate it and appreciate joining you. Uh, the Matt Lombardo Show, you can listen to it anywhere podcasts are heard, Apple Podcast Store, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL and columns throughout the week, including a 10 takeaways every, every Monday morning of Sunday's game and a big omnibus around the NFL column on Wednesday at heavy.com and a whole lot more. And it's been a lot of fun. I'm going to go uh, check out these Buffalo over here. Yeah, go check out those Buffalo. We'll check out these Buffalo here, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll report back to each other. You got it, brother. Appreciate you, Nate. Appreciate you. Matt Lombardo there of Heavy Sports. He's a senior NFL uh, writer over there and has a great podcast as well. you got to go check it out. That's uh, Matt on the West Her Hotline. Going to take a time out on the other side. Antoine Staley. We're going to talk more Jets coming up, and that's the uh, the matchup of the week, so to speak. And Antoine is a writer for the New York Daily News. He joins us coming up next. Bills, Jets, preview on the way here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. A tradition like no other, and it only happens on Tuesday. Howard Picks the Bills, brought to you by Admar Construction Equipment and Supplies. Equipment you need when you need it. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Sal Capaccio takes you behind the scenes on Buffalo Bills game day with Sal's All Access. Watch it live on WGR's Facebook page. Sal's All Access presented by Duncan. America runs on Duncan. Officially at the halfway mark here on Sports Talk Saturday. Welcome back. Nate Geary, Corey Griswold hanging out with you. 1230, halfway. That means on the Western Hotline, joining me now, Antoine Staley. 
been on the show plenty of times before. He covers the New York Jets for the New York Daily News, and he joins me to help me preview Bill's Jets 1 p.m. kickoff here on WGR. Antoine, thanks so much for joining me, my friend. How are things? I'm all right. How you doing? I got no complaints. Uh, it's beautiful weather here in Buffalo, New York right now. Almost 70 degrees, uh, a little bit windy for my liking, but uh, overall, it's hard to complain here when uh, when the weather's this great in the spring. Or in the spring. It feels like spring. Yeah, it's in I the fall. <laughs> yeah, for real. It's a nice day here, too. So tell me this, Antoine. Uh, I know you wrote about it last week, um, talking about kind of the halfway through the season mark and, you know, looking at the Jets quarterback situation without maybe giving away too much I, I feel like this is the hot topic for Jets fans right now it's Zach Wilson it's his lack of success and overall the the beginning of like a worry or a belief that it's maybe sooner rather than later that the Jets make the move to either Joe Flacco or Mike White which we'll get into that conundrum in a little bit but talk to me first about what you've seen from Zach and maybe what's not working well I, I think uh just kind of some of the decision making and just uh, the fact that I think he gets impatient at times. And, you know, I think he even said it after the game uh, last week and he said it before that he doesn't necessarily like throwing the ball away. He feels like he's a bit of a failure, but sometimes the boring play is the right play at times. And I think they're stressing, they're trying to stress that to him. And I think he's just like, what was he, BYU, where he could just throw the ball up in the coverage and, you know, be able to throw the ball down the field. But in the NFL, it doesn't necessarily work like that. You have to just be able to take what the defense gives you at times and also be able to see the field. And I think that's something that he's not necessarily doing. And I know he went through a streak where he can turn the ball for three straight weeks there. But, you know, the Patriots took away the running game last week, and I imagine the Bills will probably try to do the same thing on Sunday as well. And he just made a ton of mistakes, and uh, that was the difference in the game. So how do Joe Joe Douglas and Robert Sala balance the desire to develop their, you know, top five pick at quarterback with understanding that they have they're five and three? And I said it this week, maybe the worst possible thing to happen to the Jets was having Joe Flacco come out and look competent early in the season, spread the ball out, get the ball in the hands of their playmakers, Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson and, you know, Tyler Conklin maybe, you know, and like obviously the injury to Brees Hall hurts this, but how do you balance feeling like you're five and three with maybe an opportunity to backdoor your way into a wild card spot with we've got to try to develop the quarterback while we win? It, it feels like a really difficult balance to strike. Yeah, I, well, I say I, I don't think Joe Flacco looked good either. Like, so it was kind of like they were just throwing the ball a lot more than what they are doing under Zach Wilson. I feel like they had the running the running game wasn't you know, like as polished as I think what what it was when Zach got there and they started to realize what their identity was of Brees Hall. But yeah, I think they're in a situation where I think they could win. I think they're a playoff quality team. At least the defense is anyway. Like, I think their defense is top 10. Uh, you look at statistically and points per game and also points allowed there. So their defense is giving them a chance to win each and every game. And I imagine, you know, even on Sunday, I think at least for a little bit, their defense is going to give them an opportunity to stay in the game with the Bills. It's just the fact that their offense, and in particular the passing game, has been one of the worst in the NFL. And, you know, Zach Wilson statistically is also uh, one of the bottom quarterbacks in the league too as well. So it's, you know, it's a hard balance. But I think you also need to see what you have in Zach Wilson at least the rest of the season in order to determine if he is possibly the guy for the future. It's got to be tough though, because when you look at the locker room, you know you. This is a unique team in the New York Jets. They have a nice, steady balance of really young, 
um, interesting players. I mean, obviously the draft class is as deep as we've ever seen, but I think they've also got a steady, solid balance of veteran players as well, right? Like C.J. Mosley and and some of these pieces on the defensive line. Like, it's got to be tough when you're a defense playing as well as the Jets are, and then you look over at the running at, at the at the quarterback and the offensive side of the ball and see them kind of throw games away that you feel like defensively you've done enough to win. It's it's almost, it almost feels a lot like the Carson Wentz syndrome, right? Where you know you've got a defense that keeps you in football games. You have a quarterback that kind of pisses it away. Like uh, how? Because the, the in the same vein as talking about the balance balance of wanting to win and make the playoffs, but also want to develop your quarterback. How do you maybe? Do, do you have to lean on your veterans in this instance, like the C.J. Mosleys of the world, to just say like, hey, like we need this guy to be good. If he's good, then we're all better off for it. But like at the same time. C.J. Mosley hasn't made the playoffs in quite some time. Yeah, I think so. I think you know, they think the veterans understand that. Look, you know, if you got a young quarterback, you're going to have like you know ebbs and flows throughout the course of the season, and also you know during games as well, um, as you saw last week against the Patriots. So I think the veterans also know just do do your job, worry about what you can control, and then you know hopefully you know you get a more support from the offense that you're able to you know be competitive, and I, at least they've done that. I think the, a lot of a lot of th- the Jets have been better than I think a lot of people have thought so far this season, and you know that's all you can worry about. And then, like, like I say, the defense was one of the worst in football last year, the Jets, and now that's statistically a top ten defense. So at least that side of the ball is keeping them in games, and I think that's kind of what the veterans are worried about. So I look at this matchup this week, and and listen. I- the veterans defensively may not have been outspoken or may not have yet been outspoken about their displeasure with what the offense has been able to put together. But, man, Elijah Moore has not really held back punches. He's been very public about his displeasure, about not getting the football, not being featured in the offense. And it's hard for me because I look at, at Mike LaFleur, and I, I don't think it's a scheme problem as much as you know it's a quarterback problem right now. But I, I thought Elijah Moore has walked that, that fine line of being critical, but not being critical of any one player, but just being critical of the team itself and the organization thing. Like, I need the ball. You invested a second-round pick in me. Give me opportunities. Give me the ball. And I, I'm wondering from your perspective, like, they've gotten creative with Braxton Berrios. They found ways to manufacture touches for him, and they're starting to find ways to manufacture touches for Garrett Wilson. Like, what's stopping them from doing the same with Elijah Moore? Well, I think eventually it would have been that, but he, you know, he was so outspoken, especially after they beat the Packers. And once they beat the Packers and they went to 5-2, and two, it's kind of like, you know... Uh, you know, that's not, it's probably not the right time to, to, you know, to be outspoken about not getting touches. Like, I get he's frustrated, and obviously, I, I think the time that, that Wilson missed for seven weeks, I think that really hurt the chemistry of theirs, too, as well. But, you know, the fact of the matter is you're finding ways to win. It may not be pretty, but... So I think I think the problem, the biggest problem I had with the whole thing is just the timing of it, like just doing it right after the game, and also pub, so publicly about it on on social media, and then you know him having the outburst with Mike Lafleur, and then obviously him being you know not traveling to the Denver with them with to play the Broncos. So yeah, I think they they're, they're trying to find ways to get him involved, and you know last week they definitely did not. Like I don't know if it's more or less like a still punishment there, sure. more so or they're trying to find ways to get Denzel Mills the ball. But I imagine, especially with Corey Davis still out this week, they'll try to find, you know, ways to get him the ball. But I, I think he's better used as a slot receiver. I think that's what you saw when he, when he was at Ole Miss. And I think the Jets will be doing themselves a disservice if they didn't use him more in that area, especially considering his size. 
Antoine Staley here from the New York Daily News joining us on the Western Hotline talking Bills and Jets. And, man, just trials and tribulations on that offensive line, Antoine, like a team that Elijah Vera Tucker was – I don't know, approaching like elite level status because of his his ability to be so versatile, play tackle, play guard. I mean, that's so hard to do in the NFL. He made it look so easy. The injury to him, so unfortunate. They obviously lose Makai Becting in training camp. Where are you with this offensive line? Who's stepping up? And uh, what can uh, what can Bills fans expect, I think, against the Bills defensive line that's playing about just as good as anybody in football right now? Yeah, it's tough because yeah, they, lost, they also lost George Fant too as well. So, you know, he's suspected that he might be back after the bye week. They also lost uh, Matt Mitchell there. So if they end up getting both of those guys back after the bye week, that would be beneficial. But, yeah, they've definitely uh, gone through the ringer too as well. And uh, and obviously Dwayne Brown was out for a little bit too as well. So, yeah, it's been a musical chairs there, you know, at both tackle positions too as well. So, yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't been pretty. It definitely did not look well against the Patriots last week. They had Zach Wilson at times like – you know, dealing with pressure, and as as everybody knows, he does not deal with pressure very well, and that's when you know he's more susceptible with uh, interceptions too, as well. So I definitely think you know they've been trying to run football, hoping that they'll take some pressure off of them, but it, it definitely didn't happen last week because you know you do get a James Robinson there, but he really didn't know a lot of the plays that was being called, so you really couldn't really use him a whole lot. I think this week, though, he'll still start to get a little bit more of the game plan down, too, as well. I expect him to use Michael Carter, too, as well. So they'll have Zach Wilson, one, you know, feeling like fluster in the pocket, and two, uh, you know, turn the ball over the amount of times that he did, which was three last week. Let's kind of drill in on Michael Fleur here for a second. Do you, like, yeah. when when you're talking about the success for for Zach Wilson, do you believe that there are enough for lack of a better word, layups built into this offense that just gets him going. Like, I I thought about this early in Josh Allen's career. Like, it always felt like the coaching staff, particularly Brian Dable, was always sort of giving Josh so much on his plate. And the, and the the thing that made him so great and has made him so great is he was winning in the areas of the field that are so hard to win in, the very difficult spots in the field. And there wasn't a lot of layups built in within Brian Dable's offense. I think that's why you're seeing the ascension and maybe even the next step of Josh Allen's game this year under Ken Dorsey because I think Ken Dorsey has done a good job building in easier shots, right? Like, you know, dump-offs to the running back and just easy completions, screen passes, stuff that can build the confidence of a young quarterback early in a game because I'll tell you, Josh had the same problem too, Antoine, which was you start a game one of six and man, all of a sudden now you're pressing for a completion and now you're pressing and now you're not making the right decisions and now you're you're throwing balls, you know, you're, you're there's just a lot that can happen when a, a quarterback who already lacks confidence as it is starts a game one and six, one for seven. And I, I'm wondering if your take on this is, is there enough layups, easy things to get him going, especially early in these football games built into this Michael Fleur offense? I don't think so. I think you want, you know, I, I think you, like you said, you definitely want throwing passes to the running back and also maybe some slants too as well. I just feel like they just, they just don't have, I don't know what, what the deal is. And then, you know, Zach getting really flustered and he wants to make the play and, you know, he wants to make those completions and he doesn't want to necessarily throw the ball away and then he'll, like run out of the pocket when he doesn't necessarily need to and you know just playing like a bit of hero ball when you know you're up in games and you don't need to necessarily do that so I think the best way yeah it's the call just get some rhythm going too and I, I don't feel like they really do that I don't feel like they use their running backs enough 
you know, in the passing game like you should because you got Michael Carter who can, you know, catch the ball at the backfield. You had Brees Hall. Uh, James Robinson can definitely do that too. You have tight ends that, you know, that can be accessible like that. And also, you know, we talked about Elijah Moore and Braxton Berrios. Yeah, I definitely think they could be used in more gadget plays. I know uh, Mike LaFour has done that from time to time, but, you know, just getting, like you said, just getting confidence there. And, and Zach doesn't necessarily, I mean, he can move, but he doesn't, he isn't as mobile. He doesn't use his legs as much as Zach, well, I mean, uh, Josh Allen does, which I think they, they could, they could use more of um, his running style too as well. I know they're scared for, because right. of the injury that happened during the preseason, but that's a good way to kind of get him confidence and also get the offense going too as well. So, Antoine, we should probably spend some time on the other side of the ball. It's just, you know, it's in vogue to talk about quarterback in the NFL. It's in vogue to talk about offense. That's just the way she goes. But this defense, as you've mentioned a couple of times already today, a top 10 unit defensively. Sauce Gardner is, you know, probably a shoe in right now to be defensive rookie of the year. Probably going to see some defensive player of the year votes as well. I had Matt Lombardo on from Heavy Sports, and he mentioned, you know, he, he's got guys around the league saying that they would not be surprised if Gardner sees some just full on defensive player of the year votes this year when it's all said and done but talk to me first about what's happening up front of me Quinn Williams AFC defensive player of the month um really having the 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 come to life season I'll tell you what that draft class of Quinn Williams and Ed Oliver man both guys are taking the steps I think a lot of people envisioned them both being a couple of years ago and I think now going into year four both of them look like they're establishing themselves as top tier interior defensive linemen yeah, I, I think so. I think Quinn Williams is probably playing as bad as best as any defensive lineman, defensive tackle in football. I mean, even Aaron Donald includes a lot of people are putting him in that conversation too. It's not, you know, not just you know sacking the quarterback, but also just stopping the run too as well. And he's really set the tone for the entire defensive line. You also have you know Carl Lawson, who I think has definitely done you know a tremendous job as well. Uh, you know, Bryce Huff is somebody that I think the Jets are still trying to get going to, and they they'll get Jermaine Johnson back too uh, on Sunday. So that that'll be a big plus. Somebody they drafted in the uh, low round, the low first rounds this year. So and that defensive line is definitely, um, I think, it's the strength of this team. They're so deep, and you know they've been able to rotate a lot of different guys too and keep guys fresh, and that also helps them later on in the game. But yeah, it all starts with Quentin Williams, and ever since they blew up, he had on the sideline with the defensive line coach of the Jets. I definitely think he's been a much different player. Antoine, last thing I got for you, uh, I'm going to go to the Dirty South and get your thoughts on this Bradley Chubb move for the Miami Dolphins. They then extend him $64 million guaranteed. Um, The Vegas lines haven't moved at all. I mean, they're still plus 3,000, the same they were the week prior and the week before that um, to win the Super Bowl. Uh, What do you think this does for the Dolphins and and maybe for the division at large? Because I think right now it's a... It still is a three-team race for second place and for that, I think, I think a wild-card spot. I do not think the AFC East is going to get two wild-card teams. I think maybe one is a safe bet. Yes. If, you, if I fast-forward this seven, eight weeks down from right now, who do you like in second place in this division, and, and is Bradley Chubb the reason you might go with the Miami Dolphins? Uh, I, I I am going to go with the Dolphins, but I don't think it's necessarily tough. But, but he does improve their pass for something that they desperately needed. Uh, they got Jalen Phillips there, but you know you need somebody else on the opposite side that can obviously rush the passer. And especially when you're playing some of the quarterbacks that you're going to be playing later on in the season, and definitely Chubb does that. But yeah, I, I like the Dolphins because assuming health 
with Tua, which is always a big thing. If he can stay healthy, he definitely gives them a dynamic dynamic that they don't have. And we saw they were just definitely not the same team without him, whether it be Scholar Thompson or also Teddy Bridgewater there. But, yeah, I mean, having, you know, Jalen Waddle along with Tyreek Hill just changes everything for that offense. So, yeah, for me, I think they're the second-best team in the division. And, you know, I would not be surprised if they win 11 games there. Obviously, the Bills are, you know, the team to beat not only in uh, the division, but also I think in the AFC in general. And, you know, so long as the Bills continue to win, everything's going to go through Buffalo. Antoine, I appreciate you, my friend. Tell the folks where they can find your work uh, and, um, you know, maybe uh, where uh, what you got going on over the next week or so here, too, with some content coming down the line. Uh, well, next week is the bye week, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. <laughs> Taking some time off. But uh, you can find my work at uh, the New York Daily News and also at Antoine Staley as well. And, you know, definitely we'll have covers of this game and then some, you know, halfway point game stuff too as well, just kind of assessing where the Jets are. So just find my work there. Antoine, I appreciate you, bro. Uh, good to talk to you as always. Enjoy your weekend and uh, enjoy the bye week next week. And uh, we'll talk in a couple weeks when the uh, – when the Bills and Jets uh, are back here in Buffalo, I'll make sure we uh, we get together for some wings because I know you are a wing connoisseur. <laughs> for sure, yeah, we'll definitely do that, man. All right, my friend, take it easy. Appreciate you. Antoine Staley there of the New York Daily News. Going to take a timeout. We'll preview Hour 3 coming up your way in just a few moments. We've got John Scott of Spectrum News. He'll be joining us at 1 o'clock. We're going to get the Bills side of things here in this Bills-Jets Sunday afternoon matchup. That's coming up next year on WGR. Howdy-do, neighbor. Welcome back. Sports Talk Saturday. Nate Geary, Corey Griswold. We're hanging out with you here for the next hour and seven minutes and 20 seconds. I am an, I'm a man of exact math. It's not going to help you hit the break. No, 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 it's not. Um, but I do. I, I just wanted to confirm to everybody that I do know how to tell time. When your takes are as hot as a nuclear weapon. That's right. Why do you have to get close to the break? Because there's just a huge area of destruction. That's right. You. I am the mushroom cloud. That's right. That's my, that was my nickname in high school. Disgusting. Yeah. I don't really know why people called me that, but they did. I think in high school it was probably related to farting. Yeah, probably. I'm thinking of the, the demographic. That's probably why. That... Is that also why they called me the crop duster? We're asking the tough questions. 803-0550. John Scott's going to join us here in just a couple of minutes uh, after we take another time out. Um, just some, some quick stuff, too. And, you know, we talked a little bit, and I forgot to bring this up to, to Matt Lombardo from Heavy when we chatted. But obviously the Ravens, they go out, they get Roquan Smith. And everyone kind of lauding that as, a, as kind of a, a, big moving, a big mover of a move for the Ravens. They now have Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith in the middle of that defense. Solid, dandy. But they also put... Rashad Bateman on the IR this week, and knowing that I might have maybe traded for a receiver, but it seems like the Baltimore Ravens are hellbent on not playing anybody that anyone knows at the wide receiver position and just expecting their defense, who's not also, again, not very good, to overcome everything and, and give them their, their best chance to to win the, I don't know, AFC North. I mean, I guess that's probably where they're they're headed, but I don't really view the Ravens as like a legitimate threat. I I, I do think that they're probably the third best team in the AFC. Roquan Smith doesn't move the needle a whole lot for me, but man, listen, I like Devin Duvernay. He's not a number one receiver. He might not even be a number two receiver, um, and they're going to be relying on him as such for Lamar Jackson. And it's it's all it goes as Lamar Jackson goes. And they've got you know injuries at the running back position. I'm just I'm surprised that franchise. I actually I should I digress. 
I am not surprised that franchise decided not to try to help Lamar Jackson by giving him a legitimate weapon by the deadline. I mean, Brandon Cooks was available. I mean, so many guys, uh, you know, Chase Claypool, go out, go give Lamar Jackson an actual weapon for God's sakes. But no, they, they go out and get another linebacker. They've spent so many picks on that defensive line, linebacker. I mean, come on, guys. Give Lamar Jackson a little help. But they don't. Rashad Bateman out for the season. Foot surgery. After a great start to the year, a really disappointing way to end it for Bateman. Going to take a timeout. Other side, John Scott, Spectrum News. He covers the Bills for Spectrum. He's going to join me. He's live in Newark. And I believe he might be, uh, because that is, again, in New Jersey, where the Jets play football. The state of New Jersey. The smelly armpit of America. Yeah, I, um, that, that's harsh. I, I almost once got into a, a well, I, I wouldn't have been a fight, but he he was about to swing on me because uh, I at a at a Bills Giants game when I was a season ticket holder, I was waiting in line and there was a Jets fan and I said, "Hey, the New Jersey America's armpit." That guy took it he, very personally. You talk about Jersey that way, okay? It's like, oh. I mean, you're serious. Listen. I thought this was some playful trash talk, sir. There's nothing playful about making fun of New Jersey. No. I, and I, hit, then I, They hit the hurt. I would. I didn't even make an Eli Manning joke. See the Sopranos? Yeah. Hey, I'm walking in. That's, no, that's not the oh, Sopranos. Okay. okay. See, I thought that was a direct quote from the Sopranos. <laughs> that's the quote. Time out. It's the opening of every mob movie. That's right. <laughs> because Time it out. comes from a movie that isn't a mob movie. <laughs> I'm walking in. We're, uh, we gotta go. Uh, John Scott joins us coming up next year on WGR. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.